But if you would just stand one more time in the reverence of God's Word. I, again, I'm going to be reading a verse here, a verse there, a verse a little bit of everywhere. You're welcome to follow along if you'd like. But I may go quicker than you'd like. Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Jesus speaking here. And most, all these verses I'm about to give you, this is Jesus speaking. And behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. John chapter 14 and verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Jesus goes on in that same chapter, two verses later, and says, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. John chapter 16 and verse 7, he says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Acts chapter 1, verse number 8. I know I'm going quick. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Let us pray. God, we come before you. We thank you, Jesus, for your spirit and presence in this house. And Lord, we ask that your word go forth tonight. Touch hearts and lives. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, Amen. All these portions of Scripture I've just given to you make reference to the Holy Spirit. And not only make reference to the Holy Spirit, but Brother Michael, these are promises given by Christ to His followers that the Holy Spirit would come. That, if you will, the promise will come. He even tells them very clearly, in Luke chapter 24, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. I want you to realize that what is going on is Jesus gives these men of God, his followers, he gives them this promise that I am going to send something which is my Holy Spirit, really a someone, I will send this, this spirit upon you and it will change everything. It will really what we find in Acts chapter 2, if you read Acts chapter 2, and I, I know I've been in Acts a lot, and, and really this is, you could almost take this as a continuation of last week. I'm probably not going the direction that you may think I'm going, but in Acts chapter 2, we find almost pastor as if. The people in the upper room, as the Spirit is being poured out, their identity is finally realized. 
they become who God has truly called them to be. Peter goes from someone that has, a, as we read in Scripture, seems like he almost has, a, Sister Becky, almost like a little bit of a temper. And, and he seems like someone that we know of in Scripture that denied Christ, but yet we see him on the day of Pentecost standing up with such power and authority through the Holy Ghost upon his life, and working in his life that 3,000 souls are pricked in their hearts and come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. I would say that someone discovered, Peter discovered uh, something that he did not know or realize. He discovered who he would truly was called to be. You say, where are you going with this? Just hang with me for a moment. What we find is that in the upper room, in, before Acts chapter 2, you have Acts chapter 1, and we find the last portion of Scripture that I read to you where Jesus says uh, that, he, that ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. They've heard promise, Brother Jeremy, after promise of this Spirit. But now they find themselves in Acts chapter 1 in an upper room. Not only were they promised this Spirit, not just, not just the disciples, but this is Jesus in Acts chapter 1 speaking to 500 before He ascends into the heavens. Giving this promise giving this proclamation that we read of in Luke chapter 24. This is, this is Jesus speaking of this promise. But we find in Acts chapter 1 that as they go to an upper room, they find themselves in a place of waiting. They find themselves in a place that, that maybe, maybe Brother Michael, they, sh they showed up to the upper room and thought, well, if we get there, it'll just happen. The Spirit will just come. But I, I, I don't know about you, but I believe that when you study Scripture, it's, it's almost as if you see in Acts chapter 1 and verse 15 that after certain days that Peter stands up and he begins to number the people and he says there's 120 people. I, I, I read that as if he's standing up and counting who's left. Bear with me tonight. It's almost as if he's standing up and seeing who's left, who's remained in the upper room. Because 500 were given this promise. 500 were spoken to directly from Jesus of this promise, but yet we find on the day of Pentecost only 120 receive the initial outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I promise I, I'm going somewhere with this. What we find is people in an upper room waiting, waiting. Turn to your neighbor and say, waiting. Turn to your other neighbor and say it louder, say, waiting. If you don't have another neighbor, you need to sit closer to people. No, I'm just kidding. We find them in an upper room waiting on a promise. Waiting on a promise. And we read in Scripture and you study Scripture and we find that they're not theirs for just one day. They're not there for two days. Brother Dan, they're not there for three days. Sister Marie, they're not there for four days. They're not there for five. They're not there for six. But the Bible tells us ten days waiting, 
waiting, waiting. Imagine if all 500, after Jesus gives this proclamation of a promise, if all 500 showed up to the upper room after day one, someone's like, you know what? I thought this would be an immediate thing. I don't know why this, is, this promise is taking so long. And they leave. What if 10 leave? What if 20 leave? What if 30 leave day after day? What if the numbers slim and slim and become thinner and thinner and smaller and smaller? I know I'm taking my time here tonight, but once we get to where we're going, it's going to go really fast. Waiting for this promise. Waiting. Waiting. What they didn't even know was they were waiting for their true identity to come. They were waiting to be transformed by the power of the Holy Ghost. They were waiting for an outpouring. Not just merely a promise. They were waiting for God's Spirit to come and move. They didn't know how. They didn't know when. But they found themselves waiting. Waiting for that identity. Waiting for that power. Say, so where, 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 where are we? Where are we at, preacher? Where are we at? I want to preach to you this 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 topic tonight. Where is Pentecost? For these disciples, it was where is the promise? We know it as the day of Pentecost. But I want to ask you this tonight, very quickly: Where is Pentecost? You say, what are you talking about? I'm talking about not just a denomination. Many of you have heard me say this, have heard pastors say this. Pentecost is not a denomination. I believe it is truly an experience. It is encountering the Holy Spirit. It is a full gospel church. It is who I believe that God has intended us, how God has intended us to live. I'm not saying that, that there, aren't, there aren't people in, in, the, in other denominations that aren't saved. I'm not, I'm not here to say those things tonight. But I'm here to tell you that you can read throughout this nation's history, especially the last 120 years to 125 years, there has been something unique about Pentecost. The Azusa Street Revival, Pentecost. What we see in the 90s happening at, 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 at Pensacola and Brownsville, Pentecost. We see throughout uh, the, the eras of the 50s and the 60s and the 70s, these men of, of, of great healing stature, Catherine Kuhlman and, and, and Jack Coe, and all these men and women of God, we see that there's one thing in common, a, a Pentecostal, full gospel, Holy Spirit encounter. But what I have noticed, and, and, and I, I, it's going to sound really doom and gloom, but it's, it's not going to end that way, is what I've noticed uh, in the last decade to two decades, uh, there has been a slow decline uh, in the identity of the Pentecostal church. Again, I'm not, I'm not talking about a denomination. I, I know that there, I was speaking to a man the other day, and he, he, was, uh, uh, he knew someone in the Methodist faith uh, that had had an Holy Spirit encounter uh, and had a prayer language. Going to a Methodist church, I'm not here talking about a denomination. I want you to hear me, though, uh, that there is something unique about Pentecost and Pentecostal people, Holy Ghost-filled people. 
But in the last two decades, uh, really the last three decades, you could even argue there has been such a decline in, in the Pentecostal church and people are, are now settling in and now, now it seems like uh, that you, 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 you go from church to church uh, and there's no difference. I had someone call me uh, from out of state uh, just just the other day, and they were telling me uh, they, they I was telling them, trying to say, "Hey, you need to get into a church. Uh, you need to get planted. You need to get rooted." Uh, and they were saying, "Listen, all the churches here are the same. There's no difference in any of them." I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "They're all dead." And I said, "Well, listen, if you don't get in church and get planted somewhere, you're going to die too." But this is someone that had grown up, grew up in a full gospel church. And what he was really saying, Brother Michael, is, is we have no identity anymore. I know you're really wondering how I'm going to make this encouraging. I will. But we just like the disciples, there is a remnant of people Listen, we've had people go and, and come and go and come and go. And, and we see that ever since COVID, there has been, in, in, in the church as a whole, uh, in the body of Christ in this nation, there has been a decline in attendance. Uh, numbers have shrunk. Uh, I want you to know that they started out with 500 in the upper room, uh, but the numbers begin to shrink. Why? Because there was a group, there was a remnant that was sitting in the upper room saying, listen, you can go, you can leave, but we are staying until we find out what God has for us. Who we really are, what he's calling us to be. We, we know that he's told us there's a call and a purpose for our lives. But I really believe those disciples were searching for something more. Those people in the upper room were hungry for something more. They were willing to wait it out. They were willing to step in and to pray and to make supplication. The Bible says in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14 that they begin to pray over those 10 days. They begin to make... A supplication or they begin to request for God's spirit to come down. I want you to know that in the day and hour that we're living in, I believe there is a church and there is a true church. I believe there are people under the sound of my voice tonight. Really, everybody that's come to church on a Wednesday that can say, I want more. I have a hunger for more. I have a desire for more. I need more of Jesus. I need more of his spirit. I want to be filled. I want to be healed. I want to be made whole. I want, I want, I want you to know what you need is Pentecost. People have gone. People have gone. Maybe some in your family have walked away. But we have in the church, just like those disciples, it's almost like we're having like. An identity crisis like, hey, I need to know who, who I am. I need to know who we are. They started out with 500, but only 120 stayed. Only 120 were willing to say, where is it, God? Where is the promise and I believe that there is a remnant in this hour that is saying, where is Pentecost? 
Listen, we can talk about the saints of old, but listen, there's something I, I, I will tell you. People will say, I heard someone say just, just the other day, they were talking about how they grew up in a Pentecostal church and they, they just saw that there, there was just too much emotionalism and this and that. I, I believe those things can happen, but I, I want you to understand this. Uh, I would love for my children to see my, me and my wife uh, under the anointing of the Holy Ghost begin to shout, uh, begin to cry out to God. Uh, listen, I, I will tell you this. Uh, I, I miss the days. Uh, I miss the days of sitting under the piano and watching people uh, get prayed for uh, and slain in the spirit. Uh, I long for those days. You say, oh, uh, well you long how it used to be. You shouldn't be in the past. No, uh, I want what they had uh, but I want it better. Uh, I want it greater. Uh, I want a greater anointing uh, on my family. Uh, I want a greater spirit uh, in my church. Uh, I want greater for these young people. Uh, I want greater for my daughters. Uh, I have a hunger and a desire to see Pentecost restored. I have a hunger and a desire to see people lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I have a desire for signs and wonders. I'm hungry for a generation. I'm hungry for a nation. I'm hungry for a city. But I have to tell you this. You may be in this room tonight and you say, I'm wore out. We have prayed. We have prayed. We have fasted, Pastor. We have fasted. We have poured out to God. I want you to know it may be day five. It may be day six, it may be day seven, but if you will stay in prayer, if you will stay in fasting, if you will stay hungry, if you will stay thirsty, I promise you that Pentecost, this spirit will be restored in your life. And as Pastor was saying the other day, that we won't just be caught up in a move of God, we will become a move of God. You read, if you can come to the music tonight. We read in the book of Acts. After the day of Pentecost, nothing was the same. Everywhere they went, people were having encounters. Acts chapter 3, the lame man's healed. It gets so, it's, it, the Holy Spirit begins to move so strongly that people are laying the sick out in the streets so that Peter's shadow will be cast over them and they'll be healed. You read throughout the book of Acts of signs and wonders and marvelous things that God had done and, 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 and it, 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 it was using people to do. I, I want you to understand that you may feel like, man, I'm in this, I, 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 we're in this time of fasting. And you may feel like, man, I am just, I'm wore out. I'm wore out. But Justin, this is what I have to keep in my mind. That I can't grow weary in well-doing. For I will reap. For you will reap. In due season, if you faint not. 120 said, we're going to stay. We're going to keep praying. We're going to keep fasting. We're going to keep going after God until we see what we've been promised. Some of you in this house, you've been promised things. Anyone in this house been promised some things?
The Lord has spoken some things in your life. Listen. Occupy until it comes. Stay in that prayer closet. I want you to hear me tonight. We're coming into a time. The Lord has dealt dearly and deeply with me on this issue. It's Jade, don't make excuses. Don't make excuses. Say, well, I just didn't have time. Listen, church, we can't come in and say, I've had an awful day. No, don't give excuses. Just praise Him anyway. Instead of giving voice to your fears and anxiety, how about you just worship? How about instead of getting downtrodden and and heavy and burdened, how about you just begin to pray? I want you to understand this tonight. 500 were given the promise. But only 120 after nine days was still asking where? Where? God you promised where? And 120 come out of an upper room As the Bible says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they came out of an upper room. And their city was transformed. You've heard me say it before. I'll say it again. I'll say it a hundred times probably. Before I meet Jesus. Is what this world needs is not politics, programs, or policies. They need Pentecost. They need a Holy Spirit encounter. Because I want you to know there's a lost world out there and they're asking a lot of where questions. Where's hope? Where's peace? Where's love? Where's grace? Where's mercy? Where's power? Where's healing? Where's deliverance? And they don't even ask, they don't even realize they're asking where's Pentecost? And I want you to know that believers have been asking, where is it long enough? I want you to realize that what I believe God is wanting to do in this year is for Pentecost to become alive in you like never before. And when people ask where, 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 you can say, Pentecost is right here. Because my Bible tells me that I am the temple of the Holy Ghost. Jesus would tell the disciples that he was not just going to send the comforter to work upon them and move upon them, but to live in them. So as you stand tonight, I want you to understand 
As we talked about last week, you say, how does this tie into last week? I know I made reference to this. Is because I'm sure, I'm sure they got discouraged. I'm sure there was times that the 120 that we find on the day of Pentecost wanted to be like everyone else and say, you know what? We've waited long enough. But in that upper room with the door shut, just like we talked about last week, they poured out. They poured out praise. They poured out prayers. The Bible says again in Acts chapter 1 and verse 14, they made supplication, intercession, asking. Asking for more. So I'm here to tell you, you're praying, you're fasting, you're going after God. It's never in vain. And I want to encourage you with this. I've said this before, and I'm closing with this. Anybody ever been in a season in your life where you felt like your prayers were going nowhere? Maybe you're in that season right now. I mean, Sister Becky, there was times in my life, there's times I can testify, I don't think my, my prayers hit the ceiling, let alone hit the ceiling and bounce back. And I remember one time, Garrett, I picked up the phone. I called my father years ago, seven, six, seven years ago. And I, I just poured out, I just poured my ever-living guts out. Boo-hooed, bald and squalled. And talked about how mad I was because I, I just prayed and prayed, Brother Chris, and I felt like nothing was happening. And my father, God love his heart, just listened to me. Boo-hooing and talking about how terrible I had it. Telling him, God, I, Dad, I don't even know how I'm preaching. I, I, I don't know. I just, I go to pray and I, I fast and I, and I feel like I, nothing's happening. Finally, I guess Crystal, he just got sick and tired of me. And he said, learn to enjoy it. And I said, what are you talking about? There is nothing enjoyable about what's going on in my prayer life right now. And he said, son, because when that's happening is when you are doing the most. He said, because what you're showing God in those moments is you're showing, God, I don't need a feeling to come here and just give you praise. I don't, I, I, God, I, I know that I, things I may not understand, that, but he says, you're still going back to prayer. You're still going back to the word. And he said, what you don't realize is that the enemy's fighting you. Your flesh is coming against you. And he said, you're gaining more ground in the times when you don't feel like anything's happening than when the times that you feel like it's heaven on earth. He said, because you're pressing, you're pushing, you're fighting. Hear me, just like we read in Scripture. They had the promise. You have promises. But if you will just continue to press in, I'm telling you, He will pour out His Spirit in the middle of your situation. And He will turn, as the Bible says, He will turn what was meant for evil for your good. Because the fact is, church, we serve a good God. 
I'll tell you this. I want Pentecost back. I want to hear tongues and interpretation. I want to see the freedom to, you know, see, see, what. Here, here's the thing. Here's what I want to educate you on. Sometimes you feel the freedom to shout. Don't mean you have to come up front. You shout right where you're at. You don't have to be seen. You can bless God right where you're at. You can feel God right where you're at. But I want to see Pentecost again. I don't want to tell my, my daughters and granddaughters about the things that I've seen or the things that my grandparents have seen. And them say, well, I've never seen that. No. I want his spirit in this house to be stronger than it's ever been. And we're in the middle of this fast. But I tell you what, it is not in vain. We don't pray in vain. We don't read in vain. We don't worship in vain. We don't praise in vain. Because he promises us. That where praise goes up, He inhabits. Where His Spirit is, that's where He is. So if you're here tonight and you say, I want more, I want more. I want you to come to these altars. I, I, I feel this. If you feel like praying with your family, pray with your family. But I want to open up these altars. And I want to encourage you tonight. Press on. Keep going. My mom used to say, don't stop pressing for your blessing. My mom was really corny. She said a lot of things like that. But it's so true. Don't stop pressing in. Because his word says, you seek me, you will find me. You'll knock and the door will be open." So come to these altars. These altars are open tonight. I ask that you just come.